0: Coming to you with chats about all aspects of design, creativity, and its influence on life.
1: Can I get a whoop whoop? Whoop whoop? This This is is Creative Clinks.
0: Clinks. Welcome back to another episode of Creative Clinks. It is episode 23. My goodness, it's all building up, but we have the amazing founder, seamstress, wizard at the machine from Desert Lily Vintage. Hello, Sarah. How are you? It's so good to be here. I'm doing amazing. Yay! Uh, like, oh, and are you shameless self-plugging and wearing your own piece right now?
2: I mean, I wear my own stuff every day. I mean, why wouldn't you when you, like, design clothing?
1: Sarah, we're so excited to have you on. Let's hear your story. Let's talk about how this all started for you and, yeah, where you started and where you are now.
2: It actually started for me a really long time ago um, whilst I was in the Air Force and I had my first operation overseas in 2008 and it was quite a, uh, how do I explain it, it was quite an exciting slash traumatic deployment that I went on because I was working in a Dutch hospital with specialists, surgeons, um, doctors. I was working in the ICU and it was the same time where the really big incident happened, a dog missing. Australians were injured. A person got awarded a Victoria Cross out of that conflict. So for me, the three, I think it was four months, it was very hectic, but I was 23 at the time and it was very exciting and I was doing my job and helping Australians, helping Dutch and helping other NATO forces. But I had a really huge internal conflict because when you're in an area like that, you see how people, I mean, we're all people, right? But you see how People live with the least amount of resources and they were wearing, the Afghanis were wearing beautiful wool clothing, cottons, their trucks were extremely decorated. I mean they'd lived in conflict for 10 years before like I'd gotten there and they were just so happy and smiling all the time and when I came back to Australia I was really smacked in my face with how much we consumed, how ungrateful we were for like simple things and at the time I was posted to Newcastle. So I'd been there for about four years before it even deployed, and yeah, it was such an internal conflict. I was like, "What is life? Why do I have so much? But I'm so unhappy. Why are we consuming so much when we have an abundance of resources? Yet we are just so misusing it." So then I really doubled down on what is sustainability. What does it mean to me? Surely, just this basic stuff about recycling is bullshit, and there's more to it. And that and it really threw me on that journey of like what do I value what is it and I know a lot of people since like what mid uh, 2015 like it was such a big buzz to be sustainable and go zero waste and it was such a huge catchphrase but for me it happened a lot before that and then on my second deployment in 2012 it was in a benign area so it was in the UAE at a massive super base, and you just search on Google and you can find it in um, Dubai. It was like maybe 45 minutes outside of Dubai, and it was just, it was the other contrast. It was like such flashy, like people wearing all this flashy brand, Chanel, and then there was this other conflict going on in this like really lucrative country that had all these celebrities and stuff, and I was like, what is wrong with our earth? This is just, it's too much, so I then doubled down on working with resources that we already had. So I loved the vintage elements and design and I loved how vintage clothing, they just lasted for years. It was really before the industrial revolution of the 80s that clothing was made to perfection and lasted and they were using natural fibres. They have all these design features, which is what I incorporate in my label today that are just classic, like why did we have to get rid of it because of The industrializing of fashion and past fashion. Like, why couldn't we keep all that kind of stuff? So then I went into vintage reselling because I wanted to use the resources that we already had and the pieces that were really good quality. I mean, realistically, it's where in design, where we use a 20 year loop, right? Like, fashion is so secular that we use what we already have, and 20 years just seems to be such a short time frame. I mean, especially for you, Barbie and me, like, we're seeing things that are already like we wore as teenagers and 20-year-olds, and I'm like,
0: oh, I'm buying it again twice. I didn't look good in it the first time. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm just like, this is such a vibe. I love this. And then, Barbie, I think you actually brought this up. I was wearing something. You're like, I wore that when I was your age. (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) You know what I love about fashion these days is kudos to the 20-year-olds that are like, this is such a vibe. But, like, every 20-year-old in – the world at 20 was a vibe because you're 20. Show me a four-year-old or a 50-year-old that is wearing trendy stuff and it looks amazing. Never. That's kind of what pushed me into designing my own pieces now, like taking all the classy elements that makes everybody look amazing and putting that into fashion because my sewing journey didn't start till I was 30 when I had two kids, two babies really, like, my boys are only um, 13 months apart. When I had the babies, I was like, what do I do? I have a nursing background. So my husband was like, here's a sewing machine. And I was like, this is not a push present, nor is this a great 30-year-old present. <laughs> such a wild, I've been on such a wild journey, and it's not related to many people. I mean, it's very different to the normal story about fashion, and it just started with a sewing machine and making things seeing the art and seeing the craftsmanship of vintage pieces and then refashioning vintage pieces, which is how I was able to hone in on design again because you kind of deconstruct and reconstruct. To where I am now making clothes, I only do five pieces a season because I focus on timeless design. So I don't need to do 12. Like the pieces that I made last year are still incorporated into this season and into the next, so yeah, it's been definitely been a
0: journey, but I'm really happy at where I am right now. That's incredible and such a sh- a shift
1: as well. Oh my gosh, this is amazing! Already, I didn't expect that.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, I gave Barbie no context, so that was like. <laughs>
1: No zero context zero. I actually said to Georgie a couple of days ago, I'm like, um, should I be like knowing a little bit more information about Sarah? She's like, no, <laughs> no, we're good to go. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I have a, a question. So yesterday, so you were you were so generous in gifting Georgie and I, um, some of your beautiful designs. And yesterday, I wore your top for the first time, and I must say, I actually got compliments, which is amazing. But the best thing about it for me was, yes, when you talk about your fabrics. And I know we had a little bit of a kind of off-topic conversation via Messenger about this too, how the fabrics that you choose, you also believe they've got some kind of you know, higher frequency to them. Is that part of why you choose certain fabrics in relation to, I guess, not just obviously having them for a design perspective, but also because the way you think that they're going to make people feel from more of a spiritual level?
2: Yeah, so the fabric choice is very intentional. Um, With the vintage fabric, especially after the 1980s, like I said, polycotton was the norm. So I'm able to source fabric before the 80s. They're definitely uh, cotton, so they're 100% natural to the body. Um, Polycotton is 50-50, so there is that part where polyester is incorporated, but it also still has that value system around recycling what is already in existence, and linen is that second fabric that I use because, A, it is a beautiful muted neutral tone for people that go, whoa, pattern is too much. But, yeah, linen holds a frequency of 500 or 5,000 megahertz. So if you're a religious person, it's already been stated in the Bible that wool and linen hold a, a high vibration. Overall, it's clothes, right? We all have to wear clothes. No one wants to walk around naked. I mean, I don't even want to walk around in a bikini. So... Why not incorporate fabrics that, A, make you feel good on your body and if you don't have that confidence to look at yourself in the mirror and be like, wow, I look amazing, that little bit of the boost with the linen is very helpful. I mean, I struggle a lot of the time with self-love and body acceptance. Again, I'm, I'm 40, I've had two kids, I don't look like the person I was when I'm 20. You know, like hormone setting, your body changes, We're women, it's meant to happen, but we're so conditioned by social media, especially now. It used to be just before with print advertising and TV advertising. Now we can't get away from it. I mean, every platform, whether it is TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, not on Snapchat, I'm not on where the cool kids are, but that kind of influence of how you are supposed to look, how to look skinny, it is just a walking billboard of how you are not accepted for your body. Really thankful I don't have girls. I mean, I was really crushed when I found out my boys were not girls. But that is just, it's a minefield. And I don't want to contribute to that by saying, this is how you should look in this clothing. Clothing is designed for your body, not the other way around. So, and that's deliberately why I don't do close fit garments. I do loose fit with design... Features like the moon shape armhole is because nobody that's got an insecurity about their arms, like why can't we just extend the armhole? Like why can't we make it open back? Like I don't want to show my stomach, so then let's have a pit hole in the back because everybody's back is beautiful. Everybody's like that little bit. I mean, if you've got a tramp stamp and you want to show that off from what you did in the early naughties, then let's show it off. You know what I mean? I know. Oh yeah. <laughs> It's just using intentional design to make everyone feel beautiful without saying you have to feel beautiful because you're wearing this bodycon dress or you're wearing
0: these high-waisted pants. And having to, like, fit in that cookie-cutter fashion trend. And and the worst part is it's, like, I feel like the way that I dress or pick my pieces or even, you know, design myself is that I – do it for me and what makes me feel powerful. Like definitely those natural fabrics, like, oh, I'm just sitting here like preach it sister. Do you recall, like, even if it was like something you did at home or something that you did at school, what was the first ever thing that you've sewn? Definitely wasn't in school. It was when I was 30.
2: i never learned how to sew um, in home economics. Actually, I was terrible at school, if I'm honest. I was not an academic person. I was a child that was easily distracts others and herself that that was me um so when I was 30 I think oh this is what I definitely can remember now so my husband who's 35 years older than me definitely has one foot in the door of like being married having a loving relationship having kids but then he's definitely there's this sneaky Scorpio side of him that likes to drink with the boys likes to have his own profile picture of just himself um, in the, you know, in the bio section, it does says he's married, but, I mean, he definitely is a man that loves to get on the tune. <laughs> so what I did, because I was stuck with two kids, oh, I'm happy to blade him. Um, I took all of his jive, all of his party shirts, and I ripped into them and converted them all to bibs, to baby outfits, like the little rompers that were in the cute shirts that is amazing I talked about 10 of them and I was just like um but that's how I started and that's how I got into refashioning because I thought oh my god I can like use clothing and turn it into something different but that was definitely the first thing and then I put it on like my little little Hunter and Tyson and be like look what I made also feed our child and (laughs) they love that Didn't actually say anything, I think. It was like, oh, it looks cool. Does they look familiar? I said, yeah, they're not in your wardrobe anymore. (laughs) And I'm proud of it because you know what I do now is when all of my friends, they have babies, I'm like, get a couple of your husband's shirts, the ones that they are obsessed with and wear all the time. And then I make them like a set, a little romper. I make them the the triangle bibs and the bird cloths and I'd send it all back.
1: That is amazing. That is such a good gift too. Oh, my God. That is such a good idea. I want to take us back a little bit because it was something you said earlier, Sarah, about I'm glad I didn't have girls and that I've got boys. Um, Partially I know because of, you know, talking about the problems that girls have with self-esteem and and that kind of thing. But do you think if you did have girls it would change the way you designed?
2: Um, What does frighten me is children of a lot younger age rather than when we were teenagers and hitting hormones and adolescence we went through. this. kids are happening. It's happening at six. Like my boys are talking to me about girls that are in the year one and two class that are having all of these insecurities. And quite frankly, as a woman and as a parent, I'm really frightened for them because I don't know how to navigate that myself as an adult, let alone how to be a role model, let alone how to talk to them as a parent. But it's just, it is such a minefield and it's frightening and having the Kylie Jenners and the Kendall Jenners and the Kardashians or the Jojo Siwas, the YouTube, like it is really a massive minefield. And, I mean, I've got my, um, like my parental viewpoints and my beliefs that I instill on my boys to kind of shepherd them a little bit from that and then teach them how to be, good boys and good in brackets, meaning like I want them to be gentlemen. I don't want them, I know they are who they are, but like conscious parenting about how they can be a wonderful ally to girls in their class, girls they interact with, even just being polite to the girl at the grocery store. It's something that I'm certainly not equipped with on to speak on and it's even for myself, like it just brings up all my own insecurities. Like I imagine it would with you, Barbie and you Georgie like we all have our own insecurities but how to navigate that I'm I'm just frightened for children of this generation and then on top of it all of the grooming it's just like but so in my fashion space I just want to design in a way that's tasteful not necessarily modest but something that is good for our climate it's very humid here so women don't wear clothes anyway Um, but yeah, it's it's such a hard discussion, and nobody's having an honest and raw discussion about it because it can be just so misconstrued and pulled out of context.
1: So, so true. I mean, coming from, I have a, a four year old daughter, and you know, even something as simple as, like at the moment, I'm doing a. I'm going to I'm like a gut health thing, right? And so, I'm being very conscious of the different things I'm eating. And, you know, she said to me the other day, oh, why aren't you eating the same that daddy and I are eating for dinner tonight? It was really hard not to say because I'm on a diet, yeah. like, you know, trying not to use those kind of words. It was like, oh, like, how do I even explain this without somehow it being absorbed by a four-year-old in a negative context that eventually is gonna bite me in the bum for saying that word, you know? Yeah. I mean, God, parenting is a whole different obviously a whole other subject than what we're here to talk about. But yeah, I mean just everything, and I'm sure that you believe it too, everything is connected. Yeah. So yeah, we're here to obviously chat about your business and the fashion and your fashion and, and why and how you do it. But to be a bit naive, to say that all those things are not connected, which makes you who you are and what your business is today. You know, it's impossible to separate all those kind of things nowadays. So
2: every decision, every thought, every outfit we're going to put together, what am I going to wear? What am I doing today? Who am I interacting with? It, it is all at the forefront of our mind. Who do I want to identify with? What do I stand for? Yeah, I mean, it's just – it's a part of our lives every moment now because of the
0: web that we live in with social media and it's just so intrusive in our lives. And it's hard because it can't beat them, join them. Yeah. Like when you're talking about insecurities, I'm just like sitting here reflecting going like I try to tell myself I'm strong, like, you know, this doesn't affect me but it's just – it plants a seed. It's that constant little niggle and reminder of – oh she looks like that and then as a content creator and especially like your brand in order to fight back that and bring back the power to ourselves and the way our bodies just are you've got to then compete with the the content there as well so it's it's such a it's a hard game and it's so frustrating so it's nice that the fashion industry is changing in that regards but it's such a shame that it has to be such a fight Fashion brands like yourself need a pushing content that just heroes and celebrates everyone with the way they look and also providing a beautiful end product that actually embodies the brand's vision and values.
2: But the difference is, is a lot of um, manufacturing. So our standout is I have no interest in using off-sea manufacturing. At the moment currently, like I have an industrial setup in my studio um, and then when expansion comes, it will be to employ sewers to come in and to continue the production. But the, the bigger brands that just offshore production that are in China, they use pattern blanks. So there's no real design elements like, I like that shirt. I want this feature changed. I want that to be added in. That's my brand. That's not design. That's pre- You may as well be having a boutique that you're just picking pattern blanks to get manufactured offline, offshore, then you're selling the lifestyle of Australian. Because it's an Australian-run business, doesn't necessarily mean that you have Australian-made clothing with materials that are sourced within Australia. And that's what I find really sickening about the fashion industry. The bigger brands, they don't have any excuse to not put in sustainable practices, not have body diversity, not have... Uh, racial diversity, like all skin colour, all body type, like you don't have an excuse to not do that. Like you have the money and the budget to be able to pay for those basic elements so that you can have the values that the consumer wants and is looking for. But it takes someone like me and other women that the journey is so long because I can't pull 100 grand just so that my launch can has all of the elements that the consumer wants. If I can do things slowly, if I can do the elements that are Australian made, then the people that want that will come to find you. Yeah, it's just such a backwards way.
0: Do better. 100%.
1: Yeah, 100%. I have a friend who um, I just caught up with a couple of days ago and she just just bought a existing accessories business and it's all handmade things here from here in Australia. And it was funny, we were just talking about her brand a little bit and she was scrolling through the social media and I think she's only bought this like two weeks ago. And she said to me, she goes, wow, like look how white my brand is. I guess for the previous owner, what made her Look at that as an Australian, anyway. So nothing's you know done overseas or anything, and the brand was created by her. What made her just create a brand that she chose not to have any diversity in it, or is it something that's actually a little bit more about? It's just it's still not necessarily in everyday in every person's everyday thoughts about having diversity within your brand.
2: I think that's conditioning of the Instagram aesthetic.
1: Yeah. Okay. Mm.
2: Which is such a I didn't realize that was such a big deal. Like. There's actually a thing called the Vanilla Girl.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. I did not know there was actually a name for it. Okay. Well, that's a bit scary, isn't it? I
2: think they've renamed it to something else now. Yeah, it's on, I saw it on TikTok and I was like, oh, lordy. In this day and age, we are overwhelmed by choice. And I think as a brand business owner is so overwhelmed by choice, it's easy to do a white background. It's easy to have white. 'Cause then you can blend
0: in. Yeah. Too many options, I just
2: don't don't make a decision. And I think, oh, well, that's a decision.
0: <laughs> but then even in graphic design, it's like you see the so many different pockets of stuff and it's like, oh, oh, should I do this or should I do that? Oh my goodness, I'm so overwhelmed. And it's the hard thing is is that okay, let's just like back our bus up, let's just slow down. And you've got to look back at like what's the core foundations of your brand and go cool, that's actually my purpose. So, that's actually going to cut out that decision, that decision, that decision, because that actually doesn't reflect who I am, what my purpose is. And I absolutely love just that diversity of like that really fun, unique print that, no, you're never going to see that again, which I absolutely love. That for me is a big fat toot because I just see that and I'm like, awesome, I'm not going to see another girl in that that's amazing, I feel unique, I feel like I'll stand out a little bit more. But then also just complementing that with your new range, which is just so, like, you know, beautiful cuts, but just heroing the fabric. I think it's so important that people need to be so much more educated on on just put what they put on their body too. I'm pretty sure, like, when you wear, like, plastics and things like that, doesn't, like, your skin start absorbing it as well? Yeah, so a bit of a bit of medical background – because it was my previous career, um, is that
2: your skin is the largest functioning organ of your body. And I was a little bit grossed out by it when I was a 20-year-old, but it makes so much sense. So wearing natural fibres has a natural antimicrobial um, element to it. So not only does it draw sweat away from your body and is trapped in the clothing, which is still breathable, synthetics and polyester do not breathe you may as well wear latex like a lot of people i hate how latex is the new trend and people like i'm sweating so much and i'm like ew you're wearing medical gloves all over your whole body (laughs) and you're gonna create pools of sweat because your skin is just like i can't breathe so i'm going to sweat so functionally it doesn't work i mean it looks cute sure but it doesn't work so when you wear natural fibers if you have a skin irritation, if you have skin sensitivities, like you won't have that conflict when you're wearing clothing. That's why I always use linen as like the neutral base, and cottons obviously do the same thing. But yeah, like when you wear syn- synthetics, it was like the whole thing. And I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up COVID, but when everyone was wearing those wetsuits as face masks, I was like. It's the worst material that you are gonna put over your mouth that pushes your own bacteria back a millimeter away from your face and back in your lungs. Yeah. It just doesn't make logical sense. And Georgie, I totally can relate to like why is there no education in this because in the nineties you had home economics and you learned about you learned about clothing, you learned about cooking, you learned about cleaning, like all that kind of basic I think there was even one about gardening, like growing your own food. So that was like a mandatory element in school. So you kind of had that education. Um, And now they don't have that. Like you don't learn the basics. And also as well before the Industrial Revolution came in the 80s and you can tell I know this, like I've got boomer parents um, that were born in 46. So they were like back in my day, um, which again started me on this vintage journey. Before the Industrial Revolution of the 80s, like if you wanted something that was a knockoff of Christian Dior, you went to the dressmaker. They had boutiques. They were the designers. They were the person that did your alterations. If you had a dress that didn't fit you from off the rack, they would alter it for you on the spot and then it would be perfect to your body. Um, So many pieces in my mum's wardrobe. So many of them had these real elegant designers and they were like, Oh, that was Betty from shop blah 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 that, you know, did all this and she loved Christian Dior yeah. and this one loves Chanel and so like that just timeless design and the elements, the darts that used to make your body look flattering, the hem length that was always perfect, it's because of like that's how fashion was done. Like right from post war right up to the eighties until boom, China exploded.
1: Isn't it funny, too, how you're saying, like, back in the 90s, you know, you and I are obviously very similar vintage. Back then, like, we were taught all those things about fabrics and, you know, and everything, like you said, about home economics and gardening and a bit more natural products. And now that's actually considered alternative. Yeah. Like, it's so bizarre how it's gone a full like 360. It's like that point of view, which I'm very much still like on board with is considered alternative. And that is, like you said, it's not really taught nowadays. So it's just such a strange thing how it all kind of like went out of fashion. And now it's it's an alternative viewpoint. Like even the whole thing about, you know, I wear natural deodorant and yeah, I still sweat. It's about making sure your skin can breathe and and what you're absorbing into your body. And it's, it's not alternative thinking. It's actually quite mainstream that no one really talks about unless, you know, you're considered a bit woo-woo. It's so bizarre. And
2: it's so it's so insane that we've progressed so far that we're now going backwards to kind of find our happy medium.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. And yeah. I'm just
2: doing it in a fashion element. So that's all I'm doing. I'm taking that one part where I can be like, right, let's rein, rein it in a bit. Let's like go back to basics and let's focus on good design, which I think um, Balenciaga, after their massive awkward campaign which everyone was like whoa, whoa whoa, they've like brought out a statement going we're going back to basics it's like that's what you should be doing the whole time
1: yeah you've, you've lost me oh. I don't care like, Yeah,
2: just we've just gone yep. so far we've gone too far the apocalypse may as well come and bring us back
1: true <laughs> oh. so true Georgie I'm thinking it's time we ask Sarah our three new questions this is our first guest with the new questions Ooh. Question number one, something that you would like to try but still haven't had the courage to do so yet.
2: In relation to, like, fashion or in relation to life? Anything. You know what? I have got these cute little embroidery hoop things that I was thought I'd be that nana. But my husband watches a lot of crappy TV. Like, he watches RBT. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my he God. He loves to see the low the low level of society making mistakes, all of it. But I can't stand it and I just sit there scrolling on TikTok. So I thought, why don't I get this hoop that you can make a cute little, I think I've got a fox face, um, but it's sitting in a box. <gasps> and I would really love to learn, but I, yeah. If, I think for about the last three years okay, I cool. said that's going to be my New Year's resolution and it's just <laughs> not come through. So zen. I love it. Yeah, you know how you can see, like, you see the natties and the cute young kids do it and
0: they do their book reviews and I'm just like, oh, how about I just start with the daisy chain? Then you'll be getting into your grab roses and, oh, I love, I love embroidery, speaking my language. Oh, girlfriend. Okay, question number two. What is one thing you'll implement this year to help you grow either personally or professionally?
2: Um, so one thing I have recently implemented is I've got a beautiful. She's a fashion student slash marketing genius. Her name is Charlotte. Huge in loves the fashion space. Um, she has been employed with me, so I've got my first employee. Uh, she got the title of creative director, which means that I can offload not only the social media aspect. When I have designs like, what do you think about this design? And I would really love to collaborate with this person. She, her mind just explodes. Yeah, she has been my blessing in disguise and we've been working together for about a month now. So I'm actually on Thursday going to meet with her to talk about the first trial of the next collection, um, which I'm really excited about because when you design something, like you would know when you're on the journey, and it's in the same in the design space, like the interior design space. When you do, you have an idea in your head to get it onto paper to then bring it to life. It's a, oh, I wouldn't say it's, I don't find it fun. I find it really stressful.
1: It's a process.
2: Oh, <laughs> that's it. It's a journey. So to have her there as a creative director, it just means that I can focus on design. Yeah, she's such a blessing and I'm so happy. So she is my number one.
1: Wow, that's awesome to hear. That's exciting, yeah, super exciting. All right, last question. What's a fun fact about yourself that's not well known and you're happy to share with our listeners?
2: I don't know how well known, not well known, this. But fun fact about me is that I'm a triplet. Um, I have two other sisters. Wait, what? So, oh
1: wow!
2: Yeah, I guess it's it's not a party trick per se. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've got I'm a triplet with two other girls. One lives in Canada, and one lives back home in WA. Uh, we've all had boys, so that's wild. Growing up with only sisters, having boys. Wow. And I guess another fun fact is I've lived in every single state except for the ACT uh, when I moved around a lot with the Air Force. And since leaving the Air Force, Hunter was born in New South Wales. Carson was born in Victoria. Um, I was born in WA and I think Will Will was born in Geelong, so that's still Victoria. Oh, wow. And my mum and dad, uh, my mum is Indian and my dad is Pom, oh, a
0: British, so I'm first generation Australian. So wow, that's so interesting,
1: <laughs> so interesting.
0: Now I'm just like so invested in this. Um, so with your tripletness, <laughs> is it like you're all yes. identical, or well, like are you non identical? I don't know. Um, so where I was born in '84,
2: so it was like before test tube babies, but definitely after. IVF, so it's like the beginning stages of IVF where they put like all the eggs in um, rather than two at a time. I guess in the 80s, that's why they had lots of multiples. So um, we look very different, but out of the three of us, I'm definitely BFG. Um, You can interpret the two terms, but I am like a head, foot, like big fucking giant.
0: Yeah, (laughs) I was like, ah, I don't know where this is going.
2: Like everyone's like, whoa, big fucking giant, like when I was growing up. Because if you put me next to them, like, they literally don't make it past my shoulder. Wow. Um, And they're very petite. And they don't share the same values that I do around fashion or around sustainability. Like, we're all very different personalities, as siblings are, so we're more closer to just being siblings than to being, like, that triplet, like, we must have babies at the same time. We kind of did that, but, like, not intentionally. Or we don't feel this special bond. We don't have to call each other every day. You don't have telepathy, twin, triplet yeah. things going on. <laughs> no, not really. Because even when I like had like a spiritual awakening after my first deployment, like it took a really long time of loneliness until like my the one that's the second, but she's middle child, so her pecking order is number one. Um, that still happens, even though we're a multiple. Um, she's only had like an awakening. because of covid and my other sister she's only just now you know assessing life and stuff and we're almost 40 so you're all on different journeys right it's just the dynamic of having three siblings living and existing on the same day what one really messed up thing is is that i remember one time going home for my 21st birthday And it, like, my two sisters were like, oh, we're having a 21st. And I came home and I wasn't even on the invite. And so when I got (laughs) home, everyone's like, whoa, you're here. And I'm like, it's my birthday too. Yay. Oh my gosh. It was so funny and it was just so awkward. But it's like, you're just siblings, right? You still have the same rivalries. Yeah. Yeah. Still, like, don't wear my clothes because you're going to stretch it
0: out. Like, we still had all those conversations. But yes, yeah, three Yo. very different personalities. That's so interesting. I'm kind of Amazing. mind blown. I know it's such a silly thing to be mind blown about, but it's like it's like kind of a ghost. You've heard of it but never seen it. And like, not that I've like I've seen now, you like triplets, but I've never met someone who's a triplet, so And I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> that's crazy. And
2: you know what? I bet you now after this conversation, you'll meet at least two or three. So true. Cause you because when you meet one,
1: you're like, oh, okay, they're twins and they're... <gasps> oh, my goodness. That's crazy. Our first guest of uh, asking our new questions are very exciting.
0: I <laughs> so find those questions too. So left out of We definitely put put our serious pants on this show, didn't we're we? We're actually quite proud of yeah. ourselves, which is good. I love it. Well, to really wrap this up in the classic style that we do, Sarah, can I get a whoop whoop?
1: Whoa. Yes, <laughs> that's what we're here for. <laughs> I love it. And very quickly, Sarah, where does everyone find you? Oh,
2: um, I'm on social media, all the platforms, and on my website is
0: www.desertlilyvintage.com.au.
1: Amazing. Thank
0: you so much for your time, and you'll be linked out by So, everyone, go follow, pop a stalk, get yourself a beautiful handmade treat by the beautiful Sarah. Whee! Beautiful. For now, we'll leave you with that and have a great week. Cheers.